0: And if you think about it, fabric, you come into this world and you're wrapped in a piece of cloth. I mean, it's the first thing that you get that touches you when you leave your mother's body. When you leave the world, you're wrapped in a piece of cloth. Even though it's inside a wooden case or another kind of case, you're wrapped in cloth. So cloth is something that is really personal. And when I found out that politicians can relate to the cloth, thinking about their own childhood situations and and their grandmothers whoever taught them to the quilt. I had a Kansas senator tell me with tears in his eyes that his he used to sit with his grandmother and tie the knots with the, with his grandmother's quilt. And this man is crying. I said, okie dokie, I think I have something here. So I just chose to do that continuously because it touches people.
1: Welcome to Hello Atelier. I'm your host, Betsy Blodgett, and with me is producer Jonathan Goetz. Hello. So, While we moved to Kansas City in the early 2000s, and we made an effort to see many parts of town, there is a lot of local history that we still know nothing about.
2: Right, especially when it comes to that expansive area between downtown and the airport that comprises about a third of the KC Metro.
1: And lately, I've been hearing one neighborhood name over and over, on the radio, online, and then when I was researching today's guest, quilter Nedra Bonds, it popped up again. And that neighborhood is called Quindaro.
2: I'd never heard of Quindaro before Nedra mentioned it. And it's a shame because it has quite the history.
1: Nedra grew up near Quindaro, which is technically Kansas City, Kansas.
2: Yes. And a quick note to our listeners outside of Kansas City who might not be familiar with our geography, the Kansas City metro sprawls across two states, Missouri and Kansas. Locals often refer to Kansas City, Missouri as KC Mo and Kansas City, Kansas as KCK.
1: Precisely. Quindera was founded just before the Civil War, in part by a group of abolitionists who joined the resistance against the westward spread of slavery, turning the spot along the Missouri River into a link to the Underground Railroad. After the war, the original township near the river was slowly abandoned and pretty much forgotten.
2: Forgotten, yes, but rediscovered in the 1980s.
1: Right, and that is when Nedra fought to preserve the history of this archaeological discovery and prevent it from being turned into a landfill. It was through this fight that Nedra found her artistic medium in quilting.
2: And that is where Nedra picks up the story.
0: My father was a policeman, so we had to live within the city limits of KCK in order for him to keep his job. So Quindaro was was the city limits. We moved there. And I grew up, went to Quindaro school. And back when I left Kansas City and then came back in the early 80s, the controversy over the old town of Quindaro was alive. The city and the Amy Church who owned the property wanted to put a, a landfill on top of the, the old town. And those of us who knew the area, knew the history, had grown up with it, just really had a serious problem. I have, I had a serious problem with the whole idea especially the church, because, again, my grandfathers were AME. Well, one of them was an AME minister. The other one was Baptist. But I grew up in the AME church, and this was my church that was going to do this to my history. I didn't think so. So one of the things that people kept saying was there are no visuals. You know, all the stories, all the history that was being told about it, there were no visuals. And so I said, but this was an illegal activity. You know, um, the Underground Railroad taking slaves across the river was an illegal activity. You were taking other people's property, you know, legally. I mean, that was, that was the basis of it. So I created a Visual. I made the history of Quindaro quilt, the old Quindaro history quilt, and took it around the, around the state. It ended up going in several places around the country, and it went to Brazil, because when I did the Quindaro quilt, I realized that it touched people in ways that other things don't. I decided that I was an artist then because it did touch people. I come from a family of quilters on both sides. My father's people are from central Missouri. My mother's folks are from northern Missouri. And quilting was just something that everybody did. Everybody learned to do. And when I was like six, my great-grandmother, my father's grandmother, um, sat me down and said, okay, you're old enough to learn how to do this. And the other grandmother, my mother's mother, said, you will learn to do this because this is who we are. And I didn't know what that meant until years and years and years later, but, but I've always done it. Everybody, even the boys in our family, know how to do how to quilt. Oh, I just, I hated quilting. <laughs> Because it, it was tedious, and my folks would always measure the stitches. You know, if I didn't have 10 stitches to the first digit of my finger, they'd make me take it out and do it over. So I hated that. I, you know, I wanted to I wanted to watch TV.
1: After that first Quindera quilt, were you immediately inspired to continue your quilt making, or did it take some time? It took you? a
0: little time. I started just putting my thoughts and my wishes. I'm a doll maker too though. I use the the leftovers from quilts to make dolls. And the first real doll that I the one that really got me going was the Wishes Hopes and Dreams doll because that's something that I wanted to do for kids. I made hundreds of them and gave them away to children. Each one is just leftover quilt stuff and you I put a pocket on each one and the pocket is to write down your wishes, hopes and dreams and then you put the doll someplace so It'll remind you what you're working for. All those concepts, you got to work for it, you got to save for it, you got to be aware of it all the time. All that went into the doll. So that grew into quilts too. They kind of feed on each other. And it's continued. You know, every time I get really frustrated with whatever it is, even my bills, <laughs> I put it into a quilt. What I do is not the regular quilting. It's not everyday quilting. It's each one, I don't ever use a pattern. I don't even make a pattern. I, you know, use my scissors and just go ahead and cut out whatever I'm going to do. Mine always have a message. And I use them to, as as a jumping off point for something else. Nedra's work as a community activist
1: isn't something that she stumbled into. It is the legacy of growing up in a family that was deeply involved in the civil rights movement. For Nedra, it seems like her community is as much an inspiration to her art as it is her activism, something she wants
0: to share with the next generation. I got a rocket grant and wanted to introduce school-aged children about heroes from their own communities. You know, kids go to school and many times they go to school outside their neighborhoods and they don't have a clue about why I'm learning this and why I need to know that and when I'm I going to use it or they don't have a clue. And neither do they have a sense of history about their own neighborhoods. And so these, the kids that I worked with were in KCK. Some of them lived in Quindaro. They did not know that Wyandotte County was named after Wyandotte Indians. They had no idea that Wyandotte Indians had names, (laughs) that Quindaro is a Wyandotte Indian name and that it was a person. They they didn't know this stuff. So I wanted to introduce them to a variety of people from their own neighborhoods who had really major accomplishments locally, um, statewide, regionally, and nationally, internationally even. So I gave them names of like 40 different people from KCK. Just look up their names and see what they did. And then choose someone that you would like to do a quilt piece about. And they did. We got eight quilts. (laughs) Eight quilts with different people, different names and folks. The kids now know one person from your neighborhood who grew up just like you did, grew up where you did, have been able to accomplish Something so it was a mechanism for giving them something to value other than balls and music, you know the the typical stuff. Although one of the people that was most popular was Janelle Mon- Monet, who went to Quindaro School, you know came out of Quindaro School and is doing Gangbusters. She got an Academy Award last year. But they need to know this too. They need to know that she was a student there and and has gone on to do what all the things that she's done don't isolate yourself get out talk to people do some things do something that scares you (laughs) show up show up places that you've never been i'm not afraid to go anywhere look you live in a community it's yours you know work work it (laughs) just work it you know just go any place you want to go i walk into meetings i read about this this ecumenical group of ministers called Moore Square, read about them in the paper. They were they were going to do this uh, multicultural um, anti-racism project. I said, oh, that might be interesting just to go see, you know, who is there. So I went to the meeting. Of course, I'm not a minister, but, you know, what they going to do, put me out. They didn't. <laughs> they said, what church? I gave them a the name of a church. It doesn't matter. They didn't check credentials or anything had breakfast with them and started conversations with some folks and got involved, you know, with some of their activities. If you put yourself in a place, it will lead to a lot of other places. But you got to show up, you got to be in the room.
1: Hands of all colors are stitched onto a white background. Brown hands, tan hands, white hands, even shadows of hands. Most of the hands are flat as if they're raised to answer a question. One hand is raised in a fist, and one is giving the finger. And right in the middle of the quilt, a large hand points directly at you, the viewer.
0: That whole summer, I guess it was a couple of years ago now, Michael Brown was killed, and then other people started showing up dead. And I was in New York last summer when the guy was choked. I was watching that live on television, this guy being choked to death because he was selling um, cigarettes and the police wouldn't get off his chest and he died. So um, for me, I just wanted to make a statement. And, and was, these were young people, you know, all much, 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 much younger than me. Young kids, they were kids. I wanted to make a statement about kids dying. And the fist and the finger seemed to be um, a way that I could relate that you can use your hands for a lot of things, especially kids, but kids should not be made to raise their hands in any manner other than to cheer for their team or to ask a question in class. And if you'll notice in that quilt, the little tiny figures are the ones with the kids with their hands up or with the shakers at a a game. That's my point. Why are we doing this to children? I don't understand it. So my fist and my finger is to every adult.
1: (laughs) What do you think the intersect, especially these days, between arts and activism is? There's definitely a movement with the pussy hats, and I feel like people are using the DIY more. Yep.
0: I think it's, it's extremely important. I think it's time. I think it's all relevant. I think that it's another way that you can, rather than yell at the TV, you can, <laughs> you can use your hands to create something that makes a statement. Um, I think it's most useful. Especially for people who tend to be timid about making statements, political statements in particular, you can wear a pen that you've made that says whatever you want and you don't have to discuss it. You just walk down the street and smile because you know you're making your statement. And unless somebody asks you about it, you don't even have to say anything, but you're making your statement. And I think that's important for folks to be able to say whatever they need to say in order to say, okay, this is what I really think. And you don't have to run it by anybody. Nobody has to approve. Nobody has to disapprove. You just make your statement. What's the worst that can happen to you? Think about that. What's the worst that can happen to you? What do you think people are going to do to you? I know that fear. See, I, I, fear is one of those things that I've given up because it does not serve me, you know. And I figure, what's the worst that can happen to me is that I can die. Well, guess what? gonna die anyway (laughs) but from now till then their party's gonna be on okay you can challenge me if you want to and that's okay but we will dance you know we will talk we will we will maneuver we will dance in the process so uh, what's the fear I mean what's what can they do to you really that isn't already gonna happen If you have, if you can use art as a way to say what it is that you need to say, whatever it is that you need to say, nobody's going to do anything to you. I just make quilts. They're just quilts. I mean, what, what can that do to you other than make you think? And that's what I'm trying to do.
1: Most community art is created by a singular artist and placed in a public space. But wouldn't it be great if every once in a while, an actual community was involved in creating a piece of community art? The stories and experiences of the area could then be communicated by those that live there, rather than exclusively through an artist's lens.
0: UMKC Women's Center asked me to to do a quilt for them, and I told them that if I did a quilt, it would be mine, it wouldn't be theirs. So it was about inviting anybody who wanted to participate in this quilt, even if they didn't know how to sew. The issue was women's issues, and of course, that means everything. It was about bringing people together to create a process, which is community. That's there uh, in their bylaws. You know, they're they're there to represent and to serve the community. Now, you know, how do you do a quilt like that other than have people in the community come and do it? That makes perfect sense to me. So over a summer, we had a series of workshops where we just um, provided fabric and had people come together and sit around a table and just talk and work on something while you're doing it with your hands. And if you didn't know how to sew, you could cut out fabric and glue it. Then I'd go and use my sewing machine and sew it together. So we ended up, we, start, we, we started out looking for 40 pieces. It was the 40th anniversary. We ended up with more than 100. So that project just grew. It grew like crazy. Um, rather than sew all the pieces together that people made, we bound each piece individually. That way they could put them together in terms of theme or in terms of color, or kinds of fabric, or I mean, any, any number of ways the pieces could be put together in. And, it, and parts of it could be loaned out to other folks, you know, to talk about community issues. There was a play that came out of that project, and a song, and a dance, and a poem. <laughs> and we won an award for social justice. I had no idea that any of that other stuff was going to happen. But it did because people's juices, their creative juices got to flow. And we just said, okay, just do whatever you want. Do, Do what you do, you know, that has resonance with this subject. So people did. It was amazing. I'm doing a series of hands, the handprints that my practitioners, everybody who's touched me, I want a handprint. I want to bead your hand. And within the beaded hand, um, I'm placing something symbolic of things we've talked about or things that we, that, that we related to each other. So it becomes a personal thing with me and this person. I'm a person, I'm not a thing. <laughs> I'm not a subject. I am a patient, but I am an impatient patient. And I am a person, even though I have a disease. And I want to put all those hands together, building me back. Once people understand the concept, they really you know, can buy into it. They do buy into it and, and uh, wanting to see what I come up with. And, it, and it's, it's, it's interesting how folks react to, the, to their own piece, too. <laughs> I had one t- lady tell me, because I asked them, what's the color that you like in your handprint? And she said her favorite color was black. I said, oh, that's, that'll be interesting. So I did her piece, her hand in black. And I put crosses in it because she always said, God bless you at the end of each interview. And put crosses in it and left one finger com- that was not quite done. And when I showed it to her, she said, that's my husband. I didn't ask. <laughs> then I found out later that he shows up every day with a snack for her or a lunch for her, and he cares for her like, Like she belongs to him. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, he really, really takes care of her. She and I are are connected then in a different kind of way as well.
1: Are you going to show it at the hospital?
0: I hope so. I'm really working on doing that. The medical center, KU Med's cancer center is located in the, the building that was once the Sprint headquarters. And they built inside that building a gallery that KU has never used. I said, okay, this would be the perfect place because it's between the Cancer Center and the administration building. So this would be the perfect place to put this exhibit. And I want to invite other people too, other people who've had cancer or have been with people who've had cancer or just want to make a statement about cancer, and that's everybody. It touches everybody. And just allow people to use their voices and say whatever they need to say about cancer. It goes beyond that pink ribbon. (laughs) It goes way beyond all of those races that people, you know, the fundraising things. It goes beyond just the suffering. And the suffering is part of it, but you never get a chance to say, look, this hurts. This really, really hurts. And how you feel about that beyond, well, here's a pill for it. People need to have a way of expressing that. So I'm hoping to, to do that. Open that whole gallery up and put anybody who wants to participate, put their art in there. Pay attention to how you feel. Pay attention to what it is that triggers how you feel. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Pay attention to what needs to go on around you. And just plain pay attention And then funnel all of that through your head, through your hands, and make art. I want people to tell stories, their own stories. I want people to be able to use their own voices to to say whatever it is that they have to say. And it doesn't matter to me what that is. You know, you just do what you do. And this is another way of doing that, rather than, like right now, I yell at the television a lot. I think a lot of people do (laughs) And rather than yelling at the television or yelling at your kids or yelling at, you know, your significant other or whatever, take those emotions and put it into a piece of artwork. Somebody else will probably relate to that. And if you can have that conversation with someone else through your work, you have created art.
1: We hope you enjoyed this interview with Nedra Bonds. To learn more about Nedra's work, head over to helloatelier.org. Hello Atelier is a production of the Phonicalia Media Network. An easy way to help support this program is to subscribe for free on iTunes or Google Play, or visit our Patreon page to become a patron who receives exclusive podcast extras. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see extras from the podcast and where you can live a little Hello Atelier every day.